0: Good afternoon, this is Kaivan Matha, author of Alison Buleshwar, a critic and an academic, working as an editor for an architecture magazine and teaching in a university. I specifically mention Good Afternoon, marking the time this Sunday afternoon in the middle of April in 2020. I know you may listen to this audio essay on some other occasion some other season in our lives, some other time of the day, some other time of the year. But let me mark this moment for this audio essay. When I'm sitting in Mumbai, in the midst of a lockdown, where many countries internationally, in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, are in a lockdown, and we in India are in the midst of one of the severe lockdowns internationally. It is important most for us to recall our sense of being in cities, our sense of being together. It is also a moment where we should not let ourselves forget that cities and its spaces have shaped themselves over and across many events and many situations like the ones we stand today. While certain events and situations are important in the way they mark certain transitions and shifts, it's important to be careful what kind of transitions and shifts are we getting into. To not let ourselves flow always. In wherever the flow goes, but to always keep our memory, to always keep our sense and consciousness of other times alive and active. In this sense, it's extremely important that we don't let ourselves forget that it's only the three months that preceded this lockdown, from mid-December till the moment of lockdown. Cities in India were most active with people on the streets, active in the sense of demanding a public discourse. Citizens across colour, across imaginations, were using city spaces for forms of debate and discussion, asking questions. About the ideas we have in our heads, the ideas of how we come together as a nation, the ideas of how we come together as a people. What kind of people are we? What kind of citizens are we? How do we share our responsibilities? How do we share our respects for each other? How do we share our respects as belonging to a human world? A human world, a human environment, that is beyond the markers of our neighbourhoods, our cities, our nations, but on the single imagination, the idea of a shared humanity that holds a history of shared ideas. In the editorial that I wrote for the Domus India magazine, the February 2020 issue, it was important to point out that February like February over the last couple of years, marks two very important urban and public events. One is the Kalagoda Arts Festival specific to the city of Mumbai where I'm sitting right now and recording this audio essay. The Kalagoda Arts Festival came together a few decades ago when a set of citizens felt that a certain sense of decay and a certain sense of disregard was not good for the city. The city needed to be cared for and its public spaces could not be lost. Its public value of a city could not be lost. And the arts, a celebration of architecture, a celebration of literature or music or dance in the public space, in the public sphere was thought as a way of recovering not just public space but public consciousness the consciousness that we are all human beings in this together another event that marks February is the various LGBTQ parades that happen in different parts of different cities in India again an indication Where a set of citizens, a set of residents, not only of this country, but of the world, feel the need to recover what they have lost. Space and sense of being, not only in public space, but also in private space. And that is best expressed in the city, on the roads, in the parks where these parades take over for an afternoon and an evening. I mark this moment of getting into a discussion on neighborhood and let me broadly title this audio essay, History and the Neighborhood or The Neighborhood as History. The neighborhood became important for me when somewhere, as a student of architecture in the late 1990s, I started exploring, as an urban research exercise, the streets of Puleshwar, Kalbadevi, some of the inner city neighbourhoods in Bombay and Mumbai, where I had also spent a good amount of my childhood. This was also parallel to my experience, which I put consciously together only much later, but to my experience of witnessing the riots and violence of December 1992 and January 1993 in the wake of the demolition in the wake of the demolition of the Babri Masjid on 6 December 1992. These areas sounded gunshots, and my house was not far from them. These areas imagined boundaries and borders, which one could never see. But there were people on the other side. What marked that other side, one doesn't know. But there were boundaries. And a few years later, when I'm exploring that, as an urban research student, or when I'm recalling, my experiences of more pleasant times. One is thinking of different experiences in that neighborhood. The experience of discovering food, exciting street food, the experience of finding everything that you need to live, or reading up the stories of the Parsi Gujarati theater in that area, which saw a shutdown, important to mention today which saw a shutdown after the pandemic of plague around the turn of the century in mumbai like many other cities in india the locations of buleshwar and Kalbadevi that i refer to and will continue to refer to in this audio essay and which have formed an important part of my larger body of work on architecture ornamentation the history of Bombay, and the sense of urbanity are actually neighborhoods in South Mumbai. When you say South Mumbai, in many ways it is the centre of the city. These were neighbourhoods in the logic of the colonial town, the imagination of the binaries of the black town versus the white town or the Fort town versus the native town. The areas of Puleshwar, Kalbadevi, Thakurudwar, what is today Bindi Bazaar, all of these would have comprised the black town or the native town just north of the fort areas of Mumbai today, just above or north to the Esplanade. These areas would have at one time been very important centers of trade, of mercantile activity. And as the book Alison Buleshwar records and writes, these were also places where many notions, where many ideas of revolution, where many ideas of shaping languages, shaping literatures, All of that took place in the 19th to the 20th century. These were the intense areas where activities like the Ganesh itself would have emerged and taken shape at one point in time. Where at one time trams ran through these neighbourhoods and today they sit next to very important railway stations. Crossing from the Arabian Sea on the west to the harbour of Bombay on the east These neighbourhoods comprise of a range and a variety of different castes, communities, people coming from different ethnicities and different regions, not only in India, but various parts of the world, various parts of the colonial empire at one point in time. These areas today continue to be thriving business areas, thriving shopping areas, thriving markets, marked with a variety and a range of different kinds of architectures, mixed forms of religious architecture, residential architecture, commercial architecture, different typologies of staying, different typologies of inhabiting, very much comparable to the many inner cities that you do not only find in India but in many parts of the world that have had a rich medieval or an industrial urban history. So these areas thrive today, they are at the center of many debates. Heritage and conservation move to these areas as debates a little later, but they have always been at the center of the question of redevelopment. Real estate being high as it's close to South Mumbai, and at the same time, they being dense, having suffered a certain kind of a history of hygiene planning. They are actually intense areas, thriving with life, but at the same time, shape some of the not so good living conditions. Yet they are extremely alive and important when it comes to some of the most important festivals that the city celebrates. Hence the exploration of certain histories of people, certain histories of life, certain histories of buildings and architecture becomes extremely important in understanding what shapes a part of a city to literally become the epicenter of many empires, many worlds and many life worlds in many different ways across different times of the 19th and the 20th century and now the 21st century. But personally what also fascinated me moving in these areas over a period of time was the architecture that was there. When I taught history of architecture, everything seemed very streamlined. There was something called Hindu architecture, there was something called Islamic architecture, That was something called colonial architecture, there was something called Buddhist architecture. It was all neatly sorted out, but only in the history book. When I move in this area, which is seen as native in the colonial period, which is seen as indigenous, which is seen as filled with tradition, I find elements from Greco-Roman Revival. I find elements from Gothic architecture. I find Krishna playing Fuguri. I see churning of the butter and Krishna trying to rob it, but I also see alligators. I also see heads plastered in walls, which I don't recognize. But I also see heads of various merchants sitting grandly atop the entrances of various buildings. I see elephants, I see monkeys, plastered. One elephant, which is as tall and as high as one floor of a building, standing on the first floor, announcing wisdom above riches. I see this melange. I see this riot of architecture. And this riot of architecture tells me that there is a riot of thought. A good riot, where many thoughts and many ideas have come into conversation here. I explore the histories of migration. I see in Bikaner what I see in Bombay. I see in Kudal and Udipi what I see in Mumbai. I see in Bhuj what I see in Bhuleshwar and Kalbadevi. But the more and more that I lived, worked, and traveled in many cities outside of India, be it Lisbon, be it Stuttgart, be it Budapest, be it Abu Dhabi, I looked for my city of Bombay and I looked for my neighborhoods of Buleshwar and Kalbadevi there, and I found them there. I made sense of every other city. From the city I knew best. I did not only discover the cities of Stuttgart and Budapest and Abu Dhabi for myself, but every time I saw a foreign city, I rediscovered my own Bombay and my own neighborhoods of Puleshwar and Kalpadevi. So this relationship between history, architecture And cities was a dynamic relationship for me. I'm also doing these studies, these explorations and writing Alison Buleshwar, which gets published in 2009, when debates on conservation, heritage are high, when debates on sustainability are just beginning to take shape. But my interest was not heritage or conservation. My interest was history. At one point, everybody loves each other in these places, but at the time of the riot or the plague, they turn wild with each other, they turn against each other, the same people in the same neighbourhoods and localities. Relationships are not constant in neighbourhoods. Relationships change. And the neighbourhood was no idea of place or geography for me, because as much as I travelled, The neighborhood traveled and I could see and read in many biographies how many travelers, how many merchants, how many migrant laborers, how many daily wage laborers had brought different cities and different neighborhoods into Buleshwar and Kalbadevi and had taken back Buleshwar and Kalbadevi back with them to cities of Puj or cities of Calcutta or the memory of Lisbon or the dust of Budapest. So this question of history, this question of architecture was a way of understanding how do we shape our lives in this crucible we call city and this element of the crucible, this sense of the crucible called the neighborhood. For me, the project was towards the recovery of the city at large and it was a project towards our engagement with history as a practice of everyday life. Every time I walked the streets and buildings of Puleshwar, I thought of how people live and why they live the way they do. But I also wondered why did these people turn violent and riot in 92 and 93. If there was to celebrate something about architecture, And coming together of people as communities and migration histories, there was something to worry about. Worry about the violence and hatred in the same spaces. These neighbourhoods were my laboratory for years to understand how we as human beings and we as citizens occupy space. Architectural space, but also the space of life. History was palpable in every building facade I saw and attempted to decode, to read as a novel, to read architecture as a novel. Here, old buildings were my sites for evaluating the culture of people and citizens that we are today. History was the carpet I had to sit on and fly, and fly with to be able to comprehend the contemporary. I was interested in reading history as an alive and vibrating, breathing, bleeding, growing organism rather than a story of the past. This audio essay in many ways is a development on a keynote lecture that I presented in the March of 2018 at the Academy Schloss Solitude in Stuttgart. This keynote lecture in many ways marked the culmination of a 10 year long relationship with the Academy which first began in 2007 when I went there exploring my ideas of the relationship between ornamentation and urban experience. Later, moving on to become the Jury Chairman for two terms, these ten years involved an engagement with various individuals, various biographies, various partial locations, in terms of the many artists, many researchers, many fellows, as well as the many jurors that one encountered and engaged with. In many ways, an intensity of travel, and intensity of the body moving, but even beyond the physical movement, it was important in the way the mind and various intellectual engagements moved in these ten years, with people across various countries on the globe with people across various artistic and intellectual engagements, as well as with people with a variety of ideological and thought processes. And hence it becomes important to mark this moment in this audio essay as a moment where a certain notion of a neighborhood, a certain notion of negotiations and engagement is shaped outside locales in a foreign locale, but connecting with various locations with various locales that belong to different people, but come together in one place. So this neighborhood, which became a part of Alice in Buleshwar, which became a part of my thesis, I could say that it is a neighborhood in a mega-metropolis of Mumbai and Bombay. It is a location in India and Asia. But for today, let me consider that this is a neighborhood in the abstract space of the world. I went to that neighbourhood first out of academic interest, but then I got involved much like in a love affair, with that neighbourhood in an emotional, intellectual entanglement. Its buildings, its people, the details of architecture, the stories in fiction and oral narratives, as well as in reportage, the stories of imagination as one could read them in the dust and dirt, in the work and labour, in the protest and revolution, all woven Into a neighborhood world for me. The more I got involved in this love affair of emotions and the intellectual lover's discourse, a term I borrow from Roland Barthes' Lover's Discourse, this affair of emotions and the intellectual lover's discourse, I realized what I was resolving are the many conflicts inside of me, the conflict of helplessness and hate I faced as a teenager. A teenager in a nation torn apart on one dead building, one monument, one symbolic destruction of a dome, a beautiful architectural invention, the dome, and a nation tearing down the beauty of myths, the depth of mythologies, and deny the civilizational engagement of humans with history writing and shaping consciousness. I refer here once again to the demolition of the Babri Masjid on 6 December 1992. After which, for over two months, there were cycles of violence and rioting, finally culminating into the first ever serial bomb blasts, eight bombs exploded in Bombay in various locations in a sequence within a very brief time. All this happened in the name of people, people in groups of a certain ordering called community. It debated originality, it debated authenticity, and who is inside and who is outside, Who is nation and who is outside nation? The nation excludes and includes. It makes differences. The neighborhood makes no such choice. The neighborhood grows larger than differences of type, dates of entry, color or time. The neighborhood precisely shapes itself to overcome, subdue, subvert differences. I wanted to move. From Nation to Neighborhood, here I recall a very important essay by Raj Narayan Chandavarkar, Neighborhood to Nation, but here I want to move nation to neighborhood. The neighborhood emerges here as a category of conflict and celebration, where life has coerced people to come together and to generate and develop relationships in many orders. History unfolds here every day, and history is collected here, accumulated here every day the neighbourhood is constructed out of the nuances of glorious and loud histories. But in the neighbourhood, they are subsumed in everyday preoccupations. Neighbourhoods do burst out and tear apart when this accumulation is brimming beyond the capacity of the neighbourhood to handle. That is when nations destroy neighbourhoods. But for long, neighbourhoods hold the capacity to buffer histories and accommodate them, pacify them, reorganize histories within its material occupations. Neighborhoods buffer and accommodate and account for histories as much as mangroves buffer and harbor the onslaught of storms and floods, and in turn, nurture the most complex ecosystems of life and variety. Neighborhoods are located in some sense of a geography, but they are not locales, and they are not tied to land. Identity is tied to land. Neighbourhood accommodate migrations. Land only can own or disown people. Neighbourhoods cannot be engineered by the right design, but planning is often imagined on the flatness of land and the stereotyping of people as clusters of units. History makes individuals of us. The struggle over history and histories is to subsume individualities into landed clusters. The neighbourhood grew in my study a lover's discourse, towards the resolving of architecture in the service of nation and architecture in the service of people. Monuments as memorials, commemorations, ego palaces, collective pride, resolutions of history versus the architecture of smaller aspirations, of travelled memories, of celebrated dislocations, of making do with small encounters with collective identifications. The details of large monuments and megastructures, or the details of everyday buildings, hide within them generations of knowledge and myths. They are the ornaments of architecture, but they are the silent registers of civilizational sedimentation. It is not the ornamentation that is to be read symbolically as a work of human feet, but it is the ornamentation that is to be read as a text of layered narratives and histories of materialities and journeys of visuality, beyond geography, beyond craft, beyond time. Ornamentation maps time, just as biographies map networks of spaces across time. People's lives, always to be read intertwined with places, is something I learned from walking in neighbourhoods getting lost in streets to find some sense in life or to make some sense of life while fights over history taught me to distrust and disgust at a present overburdened by the past. History is about finding, finding people, finding truth, finding places, places buried and lost. But neighbourhoods are about getting lost. From Walter Benjamin to Rebecca Solnit, to Amitav Ghosh, to Sarnath Panerjee, they've all talked about neighbourhoods are about getting lost. So then what does it mean to find history or histories in your neighbourhoods? Or what does it mean to scourge neighbourhoods in ways to resolve the strife within you that battles over writing and reading histories have caused? To resolve the strife within you that battles over writing and reading of histories have caused. History is science, it is political, it is ideology, it is reality versus belief, but neighbourhoods are emancipatory and always in the making, always works in progress between myths and rumours, work and labour, dreaming and loafing, loitering and living, shopping and chatting at a street corner, sharing anger and love, between the pleasures and pains of being alive and acting intervening and reacting to the neighborhood you are standing in. Every neighborhood you stand in can be home to a stranger, and every stranger is at home in a neighborhood, simply because the neighborhood is an idea of human life across time and space. It is shaped by histories, locations and ideas, but it is also shaped by the passage and ephemerality of each of these histories, locations and ideas. It is shaped by these, but it is also shaped by the passage and ephemerality of these. Walking in the neighborhoods or walking the neighborhoods of Bombay or Mumbai or Bombay, however you wish to name the city, was a way of resolving the conflicts of history reading through a bodily and visual engagement with the material worlds these same histories had produced in layers over time. You read in that materiality, in its expression, its style, its construction, its ornamentation. The everyday responses to human life's experience of history, of time, of place, of being. Whether history hit us hard or quietly, it creeps into our lives in obvious ways and subtle gestures. All these captured in the details of our material world. The ornamentation in architecture, the weave in fabrics, the patterns of our everyday existence expressed in architecture, art, literature and the city, all encompassed in the neighbourhoods of our mind. The mind is never a nation, the mind is a neighbourhood. It grows from the geographical location of the body, but it is thinking, its conversations With ideas and its play with imagination. That's time ticking in my background. The mind is never a nation, the mind is a neighborhood. It grows from the geographical location of the body, but its thinking, its conversation with ideas and its play with imagination can take it to worlds and constellations beyond the physical body. The body is the center, the axis mundi of the mind. It is the key reference, but it can never limit the mind to its boundaries, because the body is always the vehicle of movements in time and space. The biography is the cosmos. Biographies are neighborhoods. Biographies are shaped between histories and spaces, and they in turn produce spaces as neighbourhoods of time. We understand the neighbourhood as space, as geography, as location. But what about the neighbourhood as time, as movement, as migration? It is not about the location of bodies and objects in space, but it is about the biographies that walk time and space. Walking creates the body and space again and again, every time you walk. Neighbourhoods are renewed every time you stroll and loiter, or even if you walk very purposefully down there. Because the mind reads between life and history, work and pleasure, occupied by the visuality of spaces, the memories and preoccupations of one's life, the observations and notations of things around us, much like Italo Calvino's Watcher. History in the neighborhood is performed, enacted, either enforced at times, or subverted at times, or even suppressed at times, again and again. History is in our everyday lives. It comes up in every speech act, every response, every rumination on space and life, because our neighborhoods of love, erotica, work, angst, exchange, collaborations, dreaming, are always built up Of these details that we collect over time and across space. History is large, abstract, too much to comprehend. It is our biography that finds ways to humanize the large and abstract. It is our neighborhood that scales to a measure, to a moment of expression, the scorching, blinding light of history. Only textbooks can bear the burden of history in all its weight and might not us, not us mere mortals, we shape our biographies and take celebratory refuge in our neighbourhoods to let our burdens become literature, become art, become philosophy, become architecture and then we make cities when we pile up all this in one heap of curiosities and pleasures, anxieties and dissatisfactions. The neighbourhood then lives on as a heap within a heap of objects of curiosity, the Wunderkrama, the many Wunderkramas, the many individuals and collective selves negotiating their own biographies within such heaps and clusters of objects, objects such as buildings and stories, memories and histories, our own biographies within such heaps and clusters of objects, we are all dealing with histories, trying to yet maintain humanity and the love for life, the pleasures of living. Neighbourhoods of time and space, produced and networked within biographies and objects, make our everyday life. We shape our biographies and take celebratory refuge in our neighbourhoods to let our burdens become literature, become art, become philosophy, become architecture, and then we make cities as practices that shape abstract histories into our everyday lives. Thank you very much.